Hello, everyone. Welcome to Game Junk Prototype Episode 18, recording on June 26, 2020. My name is Frank. My name is Sean. My name is Andrew. And today we're going to be talking about probably The Last of Us 2 will be the, the biggest part of the discussion, but also some gaming news and an article that caught our eye uh, featuring Sean Layden of Sony fame, talking about the length of games. And also some other tidbits of news, including um, the new Avengers game and maybe Biomutant, which caught my eye. Could be a short episode, but we'll see how it goes. How are you guys doing? Very good. Myself as well. I have, I'm officially on vacation, so... Nice. A few months of summer. I'm ready to go. Red Dead 2. It's been on my mind. Got uh, some riot, riot in that glass there? Nope, just diet root beer. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, so let's let's get into the news a bit. Before we get into The Last of Us, you guys pointed this out to me on on our message feed, and I it didn't make a lot of news. Like I didn't see it posted many places, but. Sean Layden was doing an interview, not even really fully sure of the context, but talking about he misses the 12 to 15 hour game, I believe is what it said, and definitely talked about the price of AAA games and how it's not a scalable or sustainable model. And we've definitely talked about similar thoughts. I know I personally have hated the trend of games becoming longer and longer for the sake of being long. And it was, I I think there was rumors right before the PlayStation press conference as well, that the games were going to go up $20 uh, when there was leaks on Amazon regarding the price of games. And obviously these budgets are getting huge. We don't know actual budgets for games for the most part. So I know a lot of these games certainly make more than their money back, especially ones with uh, online models that are sustainable after the fact. I'm sure something like GTA has made a ton of cash after. Now, obviously, The Last of Us, this one does not have multiplayer, which I'm fine with. Uh, But even probably early or late 2000s, every game had to have multiplayer. If you didn't ship with a multiplayer version, uh, you got criticized or the value wasn't there. And there's always been this value proposition with games. And I I don't even know what it's about, really, um, other than gamers tend to be cheap, which is probably a big factor that they're young and don't have a lot of money, which is understandable. But I remember we've talked a lot about the Order 1886. And I guess we could say they just oh, got yeah. that company just got purchased ready at dawn by Facebook based probably on their success with VR games and to do stuff for the Oculus. But the reviews for that were awful because it was so short, six to seven hours, if I remember correctly. And to be fair, that game did seem pretty short. Short. If anything, I thought they could have juiced the gameplay, but they had so many cool weapons and so few encounters, even something like a survival mode in that game, I thought would have been fun because the weapons were really cool. Uh, but anyway, what do you guys think about this article? I'm certainly on board. Even with Last of Us 2, I'm feeling the length a bit more than I have in previous ones. Uh, yeah, well, I think that's why it is it is getting talked about because people are looking at it in relation to The Last of Us 2. And I don't know if he was involved as a producer in some way on that game, but well, I mean, I'll, from what I'll, I know, I'll, he was, he was there when it got announced. I'm sure he was there when it was greenlit. Not that that game would ever not get greenlit. Uh, right. But you know, he, he was after Jack Trenton and I believe the first E3 that they did like the non press conference thing. And they had like, if you remember walking between studios with different music, that was kind of a disaster. I think he was, involved in that i don't want to say for sure that he was but also (laughs) in also in that article was talking about open world games and those being 40 to 50 hours uh Mm -hmm. by requirement and you know i was getting angry about it last week with relation to god of war and not so much that it's so long but it feels like it's making it 
like fast travels becoming more annoying. Now, obviously, the loading times with the new PlayStation could make fast travel really interesting, and that alone could cut down on the time of some of these games. Maybe it's not even as long as we think, uh, but loading times play a big factor as well. So all this stuff is kind of up for reevaluation. I'm going to pass it off to you guys. Are you in on Sean Layton's statements or out? I'll let you go first, Huck. Okay. I'm, I'm 100% in. Uh, especially, I didn't remember reading the uh, open world comment, but I think that makes a ton of sense. And I think even last week I was mentioning about how I'm playing the Outer Worlds and I'm finding these situations where I go through this big path only to unlock fast travel points and then never see that area again. And it seems like such a waste of resources to create these big giant worlds that you really only are in one time. And I know that Spider-Man probably got this the most right because the traversal was so fun that a lot of the times you would choose not to fast travel because you're like, oh, mm-hmm. it'll take me a couple minutes. I'll just like, you know, whip through here with my webs. And the locomotion was, was fun. fun. Something that I yeah. felt the same way about the infamous game and First Light. I don't even want to fast travel because the locomotion is so good. Yeah, exactly. So maybe if they just shrink the worlds down and either give you some sort of like, I don't know, if you're just running, obviously you you got to be, you got to do something a little more clever. Maybe you give yourself some sort of like, you know, I guess this kind of relates to uh, RPGs, like older RPGs, where you would start off by walking and then you would get like a car and then you would eventually get an airship and you're still going back and forth between all the same places. But because your locomotion is changing and you're able to move faster, it doesn't really get boring ever. And I think these games where all you do is like walk or fast travel I think they're maybe missing that aspect of it. Now, obviously, in these big, giant 3D worlds, you know, having an airship is a little more tricky to probably load and handle all that those situations. But, you know, maybe, with, like you were saying, Frank, with the SSD, the fast load times, maybe it won't be an issue. And maybe, you know, you could just stream everything off the disk of these huge worlds really fast, and it's not a problem to to stream in these these larger worlds in, like, an airship-type motion speed. I think the size of a game world is an interesting topic because I know a lot of press releases tout, oh, this the size of this game is four times the size of the last one. And I know this is personal opinion, but I've never given a rat's ass when I hear that type of stuff. does not matter to me at all. And the best games are the ones with reasonably sized worlds with where every area is relevant or important. I know we've talked about that with Metroid Prime was one of the first games where every door and area felt unique. And that is more important to me than having a big world that feels all the same. Now for last of us too, every area feels pretty unique. I will give it credit. I don't feel like I'm in the same spots over and over again. So uh, that is not a complaint with that game, but Spider-Man also had a pretty reasonably sized world. It wasn't that huge. And I definitely think of Arkham city having a perfectly sized world for an open world game and i also think of the the second second the second okay yeah which was smaller but even arkham knight what i which i think is really good and more games should do this is ways of huge shifts in the world that make this the same area feel unique I, i don't know if this is spoiler territory at this point but when the gas gets kind of poured into the city and it, like the color palette changes, the whole city changes, gameplay changes as well about dipping down and using the Batmobile, and now you're forced to use air traversal and stay above the smoke. Like those are great ways to leverage things without making the game super long and providing fresh experiences to the gamer. It's changing the landscape of the game, and I wish more games would do that. Uh, I really need to play Breath of the Wild in full at some point, but I've complained about that game being kind of sparse in between finding stuff, even though it's beautiful. Uh, it, I know everyone was super excited about an open world Zelda, but I didn't find it. The open world aspect of it that much fun. That's not what I find fun about Zelda. Anyway, Sean, sorry. Well, I mean, breath of the wild, I think is, is kind of limited compared to some of the bigger open world games. But anyway, uh, I mean, I, yeah, I obviously agree with, 
this article, and I know people are probably thinking that we're coming down on this from the side of like like we're siding with developers or something instead of gamers. Uh, but I, that's not the case. I mean, obviously for me, and we've talked about this many times, not a lot of time to, to put into like super long games. And I like being able to play a lot of different games. So, uh, you know, it's tough when I see a game that I'm really interested in that's like 60 to 80 hours. Like I just, I know I, I, know I can't do that. But, um, you know, it's interesting in the sense of like, why are there not more games that are like two hours and, and they're the price of a movie or something? You know what I mean? Like there's been a few games, few indie games that I've had that experience of like playing in one or two nights and it was great. Uh, you know, I get not every game should be that or can be that. I guess the tricky thing, particularly with AAA games, is you're going to spend all this time building the world and the mechanics and everything that goes into the game you can't like that's going to take years to do just that and then you know if you're only doing that for a two-hour game well that's just it doesn't make sense i guess the only Um, way that makes sense and they've leveraged this a bit with episodic models is if you make a bunch of different movies or sequels or something like that where you can reuse those assets and it's yeah that hasn't proven to be that viable, in my opinion, or that interesting. Not saying that it, it couldn't be, but it hasn't yeah, really I mean, worked there, for me. The, the, the chapter thing was happening for a while there, and I feel like it kind of died out a bit. I mean, stuff like, I guess, Kentucky Route Zero st- still did that. And there have been a few games that have come out in episodes. I think and- Life is Strange is probably the most successful version of that that I can think of. Yeah, that's a good one. But I think... I think the hard part, and I can say this even from the point of view of somebody who's played a few of these, but you, you kind of lose interest after a while. You play the first two chapters and then you just don't continue with the story for whatever reason. You get sidetracked and you're on to something else. You don't come back to it. So I think that's the challenge. Like I, I'm sure most of those series sell a lot, the first and second chapter, and then the sales drop after that. But um yeah, I, I think mean, part of I that is storytelling that... too, though, right? Like, it's yeah. I guess the problem with that is it seems like it's more about uh, getting money so that you have enough to fund the second episode. Like, as far as I know, it's more about like um, budgeting models than it is about this is the right way to tell this story. Although I'm sure people will uh, say this is how we intended to tell the best version of this story and bullshit like that. But I think it is more about, okay, we get money to fund the next episode, et cetera, et cetera. There's probably some sunk cost by publishers as well that can do that. But I don't think anyone's done it where the way movies and television work for the most part is those episodes are so strong that you want to play them again. It's not about continuing to get to the next one. Oh, I want to play that that two-hour game again because it was so good. And I, I talked about this last week. I think there needs to be more incentive whether it's trophies or a game is just so friggin' good that you want to play it over and over again, which doesn't happen anymore. I kind of, I, I, I get my fill of it. I beat it. And like, I don't want to go back to that where I don't think it's just about, you know, Oh, can I play through with a different character or a new game? Plus just, it's a short, amazing game that you want to play again because it's that good. I, I, I can't think of a game that's done that. Mario Odyssey is the closest that there's been for me where I played Mario Odyssey twice all the way through and it was short enough. I'm like, man, I want to go through that game again and, and do it from the start, uh, which is pretty rare. Does not happen often. I, uh, just going back to the chapter thing. I think the one thing that games haven't done yet is they treat the chapters as like continuations of the story. Whereas like, which I think is really detrimental, especially if it's like two years between them. You don't really have a model like in movies uh, like Indiana Jones, for instance. Like, you know, you have you have a single story that is your game and then the characters carry over and, you know, other sort of related things that come with the lore. Uh, and then it's like a fresh take. I think Spider-Man is probably the closest one that's going to do this next. And I guess infamous first light mm-hmm. was equivalent. 
But I, this uh, Morales, uh, Miles Morales episode they're going to do, I think they would be smart to literally just take the same map and then add, you know, interesting set pieces around it and just, you know, flesh it out to be like a four to five hour, you know, fun web slinging thing. Storyline, you know, it is tough to say because I, that's basically what the DLC for Spider Man was, and I, it wasn't mm, that good. I don't, I, I don't agree with that though. I, I, I thought the the story aspects were weak, and uh, it was padded out with those crappy like fighting missions. Yeah, and that's true. Challenge missions, but I mean, the game that did this, like it's longer. It's not a two hour game. Was Uncharted, and you said Indiana Jones, but first Uncharted, yeah, Lost I, Legacy. I just. I just replayed yeah, Uncharted. Well, too. they got, in my opinion, they got off the rails with this, which Uncharted 1, yeah, a perfectly down. paced game. Like, you, the first time I sat down and played that game, I wanted to play it beginning to end. Uncharted 2, same thing. Uncharted 3 to a lesser degree. And then Uncharted 4, after the success of Last of Us and other games, it's like, okay, now this game has to be 25 hours long. And that's not why I love Uncharted. I loved it because it was, the story was pretty rich compared to other games. I love the characters. They felt very natural and art gameplay. So well paced. And like, I never got sick and tired of doing anything like the last of us too. I'm loving it, but I, I get bored with it pretty quickly. Like in terms of whatever the pacing model is, I do not, I've said the word model. I guess we've said the word model a hundred times this episode. I apologize. Uh, I just, I don't want to play it for 10 hours in a row. I'm just like, okay, I played a couple hours. I'm about to enter another area with 20 enemies where I do the same thing again. I'll take a break. Yeah. Well, I, I agree with you about Uncharted. The only problem is with Uncharted, it's it's like a technical marvel. Uh, so you can't really get away with a quick turnaround on those games, I don't think. Oh, yeah. You know, In terms just, of quick... They're trying to do too much. I guess I was talking more about how the the value or length of games like got its way into that series too, which was why I loved it. And I don't want, I I would rather, I know this is truly an exception and sounds like an elitist thing to say, but I would rather have two uncharted games than one and have more time in between them than one really long uncharted game. And probably that's true about any, any game where I know people don't have the money to spend on that kind of stuff, which I understand and I am empathetic towards, but um, I'm looking at it purely from the getting the best games possible, not in terms of having one game that you play for a month straight that you get sick of. Who's that for? Play it again if you love it so much. Yeah, I think I think for some reason when you get into these AAA games, uh stuff just gets off the rails where you have the art team coming up with crazy ideas and then you need the code to support it. And then you don't want to make just a one-off game mechanic. So then you maybe try to find more ways to reuse it, which results in more art, which results in more level design, which then, Oh, Hey, now, now this is fun. Here's another game mechanic and it can really probably balloon out that way. And then you're trying to shoehorn the story into all that too. So I think I think there's just like you need a really strong producer to be able mm-hmm. to just say no, like we're gonna do this one time and that's fine or whatever or just cut it the area yeah, completely. I completely agree. And who, Mario is the perfect example of that to me. They come up with brand new mechanics and weird power ups and they use them very sparingly. They 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 pick their spots for stuff. Even even think of Super Mario 3D World, the cherries where you had multiple characters. That's a cool idea, and they barely used it in the game. They used it at very cool moments, and even the cat suit. It's not like you were getting a cat suit every three seconds. It paid off big time in the final boss and these other moments, and I will give Nintendo credit where credit is due. They are very good at not uh, like exhausting ideas in their games to make them long. I used to, on a similar like high-budget game that used to do this a lot is the Final Fantasies. They would always have these little like one-off mechanics that you'd never see. Uh, I I know Final Fantasy IX uh, has a lot like uh, you know swinging in the cage that happens one time. 
there's just like that sword fighting game, yeah. like mini game. There's just tons of things they do only one time, and it's unique and it's it's really memorable. And they just they don't worry about it, it seems, or they they budget for it and they don't go over the top. You know, they kind of zoom in, focus on it for you know a, a ten minute period of time, maybe not even. And just let it be memorable, and let it let it let it die right there. They don't have to reuse it all all over the place, and it's it's nice. Well, I've been meaning. Well, I mentioned briefly, but uh, Tim Rogers and his like three hour Final Fantasy VII remake review, which I've been really enjoying his content. If people haven't checked it out, uh, I highly recommend it. But the way he breaks down that game and he talks about the idea of a vertical slice. That game has so many different ideas and mechanics that there's almost no small vertical slice that's less than an hour where you experience every possible mechanic in the game. That game, I mean, has some bad one-off stuff like the robot arms, but they have lots of stuff in that game that is really unique, one-time only stuff, and I, I agree, that stuff's cool. I mean, it does seem like a waste at some point to do all that work and only use it once, but... There is a fine line you can ride, and I just don't think games are doing that anymore. It's interesting that Final Fantasy one, though, is an example of one where they're kind of doing the episodic thing, right? It's just that every episode is like the size of an actual game, basically. Well, that's the amazing thing about it. Their version of episodic is, okay, let's take this world that people love, deconstruct it at some meta level, and then expand it because people love it so much and get even more into the world and all that stuff. I mean, that game really is amazing. There, well, I'm so surprised games, at how good it is. The, yeah. The other games are going to have a lot of work needed. I mean, you have your characters done or some of the characters done, but I mean, a, a big chunk of the rest of that game now, depending on which direction they take it, uh, doesn't really include Midgar that much, which was all the art. So, I mean, they'll be able to reuse props probably. And like I was going back playing a second time and noticing uh, little callbacks I didn't notice before, like the the uh, truck that's used in the car chase at the at, near the end of the game. Uh, if you guys know the one I'm talking about, Frank, you probably remember it when you're on the, the road. Uh, that's like placed all over the all over the place, especially in the slums as mm-hmm. kind of just you know a a piece of rubble but you could see it reused there which is smart of them and they kind of they hide it in interesting ways where you know you don't even notice it so if games could do more of that more reuse in the previous games you know if they could have that those sort of assets in the next part of final fantasy uh they could definitely cut it cut it down like we're talking well the future too with uh the unreal engine 5 stuff of kind of assets being translatable across engines and having standard formats that kind of import and you could sell and buy assets rather than needing to, I would think would be cheaper than having people individually develop stuff. Obviously there's photorealistic games that that is easier for versus games with unique art styles that it becomes tougher. Um, But I think there's a lot of cool stuff that can happen to help keep the cost and scale of these games reasonable. But I, like you said, Huck, direction and production, I think, has to be on board. And I guess to some degree, the publishers that aren't worried about reviews saying this game is too short or something like that. Yeah, I I like your your aspect of the the game engines, like specifically Unity. I mean, sorry, Unreal. Uh, but like a lot of these Sony companies they're still using sort of like the old model where they write their own engine. They create everything from scratch and it's really expensive to do that. Whereas now unity Unreal are kind of pushing each other into this almost freemium game engine. And the game engines are both phenomenal. And now they're, uh, I don't know who did it first. It was unity or unreal, but they had the marketplace. Like you were saying, Frank, which lets you buy assets that you can use in your game. So I know, uh, like most of my stuff's Unity right now, but it ha- I buy like tons of music and tons of art. And even if I don't use it in the final game, 
I could still prototype stuff so much faster and have it at a higher polish level uh, to give the feel of the game, which would help me pitch it to people faster and better. And uh, my costs are so low that it's ridiculous. Like I could probably spend, I don't know, a couple hundred dollars to have some really good environmental art. And if I paid someone to do that, it would be like 10 grand. Yeah. I and mean, it's, it's and incredible what you can get. Tools that are making development easier, even at a AAA custom level, substance for sure for doing texture work is a huge help. And I mean, that's not that new, but photogrammetry as well, which we've talked about in the past. And that's, I'm sure, I don't know much about this technology. There must be ways of getting like wire frameworks of models through scanning as well. So it's not as much like just sculpting work and all this other stuff. So there's definitely cool things that are happening. But I, in, in in general, I think the trend, I think Sean Layden is onto something. Sorry, Sean, we've there. been just going fucking crazy. What do you got to say? <laughs> just to jump on the photogrammetry well, thing quick. They, well, sorry, shut up, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> they have a they have a app on the iPhone you can get now that you can take outside and just walk around an object, and it'll do all the photogrammetry and create the model for you. Obviously, like the outdoor lot lighting needs to be correct, but you don't need to like bring anything into a special lighting stage and then have some crazy camera rig anymore. You can, in theory, get pretty good looking stuff just by like going to a forest and walking around with your iPhone, which is crazy. Go ahead, Sean. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, well, I mean, you guys are talking about all these tools that are available, but I mean, the thing is like games are still getting increasingly more complex and i think that's part of the problem here that's why he's saying this model's unsustainable but i just had two quick thoughts one was the idea of studios who have earned a, a place where they suddenly can take as long as they want on a game you know like there's i, I think it's fair to say naughty dog's probably there there's you know a bunch of studios once they've had a few hits under their belt they become we release it when it's ready and that's it and I wonder if that, in a way, could be a bad thing, at least in, in reference to what we're talking about here. Like, overall, you know, you don't want to ship a game. You don't want to have that pressure to ship a game before it's ready. That's terrible. And, you know, it's obviously bad for the developers. It leads to crunch. It, and you end up with tons of bugs. I mean, there's a million reasons why it's bad. But when you go too far the other way, nobody's telling these guys, yeah, that's that game's too long. You got to cut out some stuff. Because, you know it's more value for your money right and it's not like movies where you're gonna get hit like critics are gonna say this thing's too long i mean maybe people are slowly starting to do that a little that's bit what now. needs to happen but yeah like nobody that's never a the, the talk about pacing in a game is is not really discussed as much as maybe it should be but you know to be fair the, the whole point of them is they're not meant to be played in one sitting they are play at your own pace over a bunch of weeks or whatever so it's it's uh it's more of a subjective thing i guess well another counter not measure but like thing that could affect this is pricing models as the industry continues so freemium and streaming services i don't know what the intent is to monetize those things or what the plans are if you only play two hours of a 60 hour game Maybe that's how they give money to developers. So the incentive could be more to making great short experiences that, you know, it's more worth uh, the, the, the cost benefit is there to, to not make it 60 hours because people only play those games for two minutes. And in the spirit of on-demand entertainment, that's going to change pricing models as well, where people aren't going to want to pay $70 for one game. And maybe stuff like game pass will be well they only played your game for 10 minutes so here's your cut or however they figure that stuff out rather than hmm. you know downloads and stuff like that and that's gonna really i think show how much casual i guess how much people are paying for stuff they're not even playing i mean we're extremely guilty of this probably myself to more of a degree than anyone and i mean that's probably a good thing for the industry but if casual gamers are using subscription services, that's probably a thing that's going to change about how developers get money. 
Well, we did we did talk a little bit about Game Pass being a thing where people have it in their head. Hey, if it's like a five hour game, it's perfect for Game Pass because I didn't pay for it, but maybe I want to play it, and I'm not as concerned about the value of it. But uh, you touched on the other thing I wanted to bring up, which is just I'm always thinking, what's the percent of people who finish this game? Because I don't finish a lot of games, and I'm always thinking to myself, like what, like because as a developer. That sucks to think. Oh, ten, you know, ten percent of the people that played yeah. this finished your game. Amy Henning was like, talking and, about that in an interview, and that's why she's like so interested in VR experiences, which are short because they're more likely to be finished as well. Yeah, and you you brought up Super Mario Odyssey, Frank, which is an interesting game because I've been noticing this in a few other places as well, where it's a fairly short sort of story. But then afterwards, there's tons of stuff to do later. Like there, you keep uh, going back to find more uh, moons or nuggets. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and you know, I just played Fez recently, and it's got that same thing where you kind of the credits roll, but you're only halfway done the game. And I also had that experience a while back with Castlevania Symphony of the Night, where you've got the whole inverted castle thing. Which I, you know, and to me, like, it's weird because when the credits roll, I feel like, well, okay, I'm kind of done the game. And it's like, I'm torn between feeling like that's a cool strategy because now I'm like, if I want to keep playing, I can. But technically, I've seen the story they wanted to tell or at least the main campaign. But um, I don't know. I wonder if more games will start doing that. Well, I can't can't remember if this even came up with our story debate a few episodes back, but... Clearly, that's a reason why stories in games are subpar. Most of them don't get finished. <laughs> and <Yeah>. that's p- <laughs> partly the medium's fault and the whole length thing we're talking about. But if no one's compelled to even finish your story, I'd say it's not that good of a story. I have uh, one related point which popped into my head when I was just talking there. And I think a problem with these AAA teams is just their sheer size and if you think of so like naughty dog has two projects on the go other companies like companies that have one uh or even like when when we were at silicon knights we had two projects on the go maybe a third uh but if you think about it if you have one project that's finishing up you have all these artists on staff that literally have nothing to do so you don't really get the time to just sit and let an idea fester create a good vertical slice see if that's fun then maybe create a horizontal slice and get your pacing right which involves no artists really or maybe the the vertical slice would involve artists and for people who don't know like a vertical slice is usually a small section of the game that includes most of the game mechanics that the game will contain and a horizontal slice is more of a uh, a gameplay less gameplay more just pacing of the game and it's i don't think horizontal slices are really used that much we didn't use them at silicon knights at all from what i remember but basically it's just a way to like get the pacing get the feel of it the whole game down without spending a lot of time on the art you just basically gray box everything and you have stand-in ai characters and everything like that and you just try to get the feel down and that doesn't really you can't do that with a big triple a team you can't just have 200 artists sitting around taking a paycheck and doing nothing you're forced to start making art and i think that probably is a problem with triple a development in general and i think as me now more indie like i kind of like the idea of how the industry is slowly going to more of a contract-based economy where you have a small core team that can you know do this prototype and then you hire contractors when you need art and you don't have to worry about keeping this big staff around to you know keep everything going i know triple a teams do that too they hire a lot of chinese companies and just like i mean like alex from pixel knots that's what his company does they just do art outsourcing basically uh on top of making their own games but like that's these big companies need that too. And I think having to carry that staff across really, it it could really force them to make extra art that maybe they don't need or don't want, and they don't want to just throw it away. So then they try to force it into the game somehow just because they've already spent the money on it. And that could also bloat the cost. And I think unless 
the AAA teams like re reconfigure how they're working or they have a bunch of more smaller projects and cross use their like have the art team be basically like cross all projects i don't know how you would cut out that cost unless you lay people off which obviously is a big no-no right now like people don't want to be known for laying off staff so i like i don't know how you can resolve that issue in a triple in a big triple a studio I mean, I yeah. guess Ubisoft does it. I guess Ubisoft does it the best. Well, they have they so have, many projects. They can, they have yeah. utility people that are always bouncing around across studios, which is yeah, and you, you always the situation you want to be in. Yeah, exactly. You always hear about, I mean, for the people we know, like they basically finish something and then roll in to help on something else, and then they roll off to do something else. That's probably the ideal for AAA, but if you're like a naughty dog and you have only two projects... You may not, you know, you know, you if both are in full production and then one stops, well, now you have a full size production team with nothing to do. Essentially, like, how do you resolve that? It's yeah. I mean, Nintendo's really secretive about this stuff. I don't know much hear much about it, but I'm surprised. Like, first party studios under Sony or whoever Microsoft do not share more stuff. Like, that's part of the agreement to be a first party studio where yeah we share systems we we're we're all part of the same team and i mean obviously if they're not first party at or owned by microsoft that that wouldn't help or be a good uh competitive move business wise but once you're purchased I, i'm surprised that doesn't happen more it seems it seems kind of weird to me and maybe it does maybe i just EA, don't know about it maybe i wonder if that's what ea basically tried to do when they moved everything on to frostbite just have one ecosystem that everyone knows how to use. So if you need to jump around, it's not a big problem. There's no big learning spike for people that need to go on to a different project. But I haven't really heard anything. Especially for bug fixing, right? Like yeah. doing a new system and integrating with a game, a team that's already going, that, that could be a problem. But if you're polishing and just trying to like get a game to ship, that is one case where all hands on deck can help mm-hmm. if, if they know what they're doing. Obviously you don't want someone coming in and, and breaking everything, but if, if they're all using the same engine and are experienced, you'd think that would be mitigated. Yeah. All right. I'm tapped on this. Went a lot longer <laughs> than I thought. Sean, anything you wanted to add? You kind of got drowned no. out here. I'm sorry. No, we should move on. Definitely. Okay. Just a couple Oh, I had one more thing about the article, but we can save it for another time. It was about the price, the price of games, and uh, how they're basically the price hasn't changed. Yeah, I mean, over the, like I, twenty years or something. I mentioned that a, a little bit with the rumor that they were going to go up. I'm fine with that. Uh, I know games are basically doing it themselves with deluxe editions that come with probably a dollar's worth of content or something like that, like, <laughs> which I support, especially for games I like. And sometimes it pays off with uncharted four. I got the, the DLC for free because I had bought the deluxe edition. So, um, that's one way, but I, I think game prices can and should go up based. And if they're worried about this value, that should happen more based on how long a game is, if that's all people care about. And again, reviewers need to stop, picking and choosing when value matters. Uh, and the example I've given before is Metal Gear Solid Ground Zeroes getting eights and nines everywhere and stuff like The Order being getting a six because it's so short. And it's so inconsistent with how they, um, when they decide to pull the value card or should you buy this game based on how long it is. And I personally don't think it should be uh, part of the, review discussion anyway let people know if you want but like i said i'd pay 300 dollars for mario odyssey if they made me uh, <laughs> but no one wants to do that it's not the best business decision especially with piracy uh but that's where streaming and other new pricing models could change that like how much you play it goes into the developers pockets and hopefully they don't rip off developers but that's New frontier in the future. So a couple of other news stories, not a ton to say here, but uh, let's start with Marvel, or not Marvel, just Avengers gameplay that 
was released Marvel's by... Avengers, Frank, excuse me. Is it Marvel's Avengers? I thought... <laughs> yeah. Oh, it is? Okay. I, I didn't know if only Sony go. games were allowed to... Um, yeah, Marvel's Avengers. My bad. <laughs> that was... They released new gameplay footage. I fired it up when I saw it. I got to be honest. I'm not interested in this game at all. I, I watched... I tried watching the video. Huck, we were talking a bit before this. I think you nailed it. It seems a bit like four years old four years old game or something like that and it's not that i wouldn't play it 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 could be cool don't get me wrong but for whatever reason when i see news about it or gameplay footage i'm not not feeling it and it's not that it looks bad it just feels like kind of a lesser version of the movies and it's so weird that i don't feel that way about the arkham games when i see them they feel like their own thing maybe because they came out before like at a time when they were nothing like the movies that were, were coming out with Batman and stuff like that. And this one seems to really be, I don't know if there's a way to make an Avengers game. That's nothing like the Avengers movies. It feels like there's not a lot of different variations on Avengers that I'm aware of, but I don't know, not moving my needle. I think the other problem is that the Avengers movie franchise the actors themselves are so ingrained as those characters that when you hear Nolan North, you're like, who, who is talking right now? And then you have to like realize it's Iron Man. Yeah. And you're or, like, what? Or like, the idea like, of why is Nolan North Iron Man? The section I watch with Thor, it's literally trying to be close to the voice of Thor in the movies. Like go a hard, yeah, hard that. opposite direction. Like think of some yeah. new take or, even if the that's, character looks yeah. the same, a voice that's different. Yeah, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 had kind of the same issue, but I, I think at least the art style was just kind of trying to stick to the comic books and not trying to make them look like the characters from the movies. Uh, but yeah, it's weird, this game. It just feels like like we kind of have gotten away from bad licensed games. Like I feel like not a ton of those come out anymore because people just know that they get you know, terrible reviews and, and people are smart enough to stay away from them. But this is what it feels like, even though it's not directly tied to, you know, an upcoming Avengers movie or something, it just feels like that's what it is. And I can't put my finger on it either. I guess part of it is I don't really understand what genre it is. Like, is it an RPG or it seems like it's just an action game with like light RPG elements but I keep hearing that it's sort of like open world as well. Like I'm kind of confused. If I like, I have screenshots of the art of the game or like the team, the poster art. If I like blur my eyes, I would not know it was any different than the movie. It could be screenshots from the movie. Like the costumes <laughs> are exactly the same. It's, it's really uninspired. And I think they, they may have gone the wrong, wrong direction with some of this stuff. I wonder if they just, uh, <laughs> You know, use the the new Unreal Engine and just got the uh, the models from the movies, CG models from the movies. Just throw them in. I don't know about <laughs> that. But okay, so I also I also thought like from the video that that it just looked like quantity over quality in terms of like the enemies that they were showing. Like I I was I was questioning their decision to even put this video out. Because it looked like it looked like the person who was playing it was even getting frustrated. Like it looked like his attacks were being blocked, or he was getting interrupted all the time by like energy blasts. And and if you're putting out a gameplay trailer where you want to get people hyped, I feel like you'd want to show gameplay where someone's like really kicking ass. The action's really fluid. Like it looks like you're just like totally in charge of Thor's hammer. Uh, and this kind of looked like Thor kept getting hit and stopped and he was like trying to swing stuff and missing. It just it just didn't feel right. Like he was doing that hammer throw and then landing like too short to actually like hit the people he was trying to hit. I don't know. It just seemed like a really questionable choice. Like I really hope this wasn't their first attempt at capturing the gameplay and then we're just like, yeah, put it out anyways, whatever. I don't know. It It just seemed like a strange choice to me, but. Maybe I I did skip a lot of the video, so maybe I missed something. But it, I'm with Frank; it it did not capture my attention at all. I mean, the game has been delayed 
at least once so far. So, I mean, that's maybe not a great sign, but yeah, I agree. Even just looking at the screenshots, it's so like, it's like the off brand. Cause I guess they don't have the likeness for the actual actors. So it's like it's close, but slightly off. And just Sean, I hate to so pick it. It's, it's special man, the video game. <laughs> now that's a game I would play. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll play this. I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's good. I, it's not like I'm not looking for stuff to play or that I want to be good. It just, I'm getting bad vibes. Yep. Uh, and then I just want to mention, I watched some video for Biomutant, which also came out this week, which looked really cool. The, uh, some of the creatures you're fighting. And I mean, I know we do moratoriums on stuff. The giant turtle in games or turtle like creature that's in God of War and Ori too. There's another one in this game. That's my new thing. It's, it's gone too far. We need to come up with something else other than the giant turtle from uh, NeverEnding Story. It's been good while it lasted. But uh, other than that, it looks awesome. Uh, the fur, it's got a weird look to the fur, but I kind of like it. And like climbing looks so fast-paced. Like the idea that the small creature can climb up walls really fast and the traversal open-world stuff looked really interesting to me. I am I am obviously into creatures and uh, weird wildlife stuff, so I am really excited for this game. How did you say it's out? About it? No, it's supposed to come out this year. Um, it says 2020, but I could see it getting pushed back. But I'm in. Yeah, I hadn't yes. seen anything about it. it. Was like, was it just like a new trailer they released, or uh, it was they... a gameplay video? There was it was lots of gameplay, and the combat seems, on a first glance, really inspired by Zelda's. Z targeting stuff and um, the 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 things you're fighting had the scale and design that reminded me in some way of Horizon Zero Dawn, not like in terms of your weapons use and stuff like that, but just how you approach them. I don't know. I could be reading in a lot into the video, but I'm digging it. I'm in. Hmm. Yeah, it looks really good. And. So I'm hoping that comes out this year. All right. Last, what we're playing, I think, are we all just talking about one thing? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I had a couple other things, but let's just focus on The Last of Us. Last of Us 2. I will start by saying I have not beaten the game yet. I'm a liar. Uh, I, <laughs> I said I would be done by Tuesday, and I'm honestly I'm probably halfway at this point in the game. And I mentioned it a bit earlier. I'm still loving the game, but again, I think playing the original th- two and a half times, even a month ago, <laughs> was a bad idea. Uh, and this is a good thing about the game, in my opinion, but bad for me personally right now. It is like an extremely polished version of the first game again. And there there are new mechanics, which is good, but it's not reinventing the entire game. It's just making it an extremely well-crafted experience, even more so than the first one. And I complain about that not happening in games a lot. So I'm glad that that is what it is, but I've just played a lot of the last of us lately. So I'm not compelled to play for 10 hours straight. And there is a lot of walking around and just scavenging for stuff, which is what the game is. Uh, But I, I just, I'm not as compelled to play that stuff for 10 hours straight, I guess I, but I, I'm still really enjoying it. Yeah, I'm like maybe four hours in, I would say. Uh, so not too far. I think it starts off extremely strong, as did the original game. Uh, and I kind of, I, I kind of see what they're. I think they're setting up. Yeah, me too. In the game, and um, I, I, I mean. Stuff I had heard about this game going in, obviously, a lot of people talking about the violence, as we kind of touched on previously as well, and just the idea that it's sort of a revenge story, and it's like, okay, it's a revenge story, but you have no choice. You have to just kill people in brutal ways, and like, what is like, is that really saying anything? And I kind of was a little worried based on that, but I think and maybe I'll be proven wrong. I think I see some things that they're setting up that I think will work quite well. And 
I mean, I just I feel the attachment to the characters in this more than most games. And again, maybe this is just a naughty dog thing. And I think they're good with dialogue and and voice acting and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, I just I really like the way it has started off. I think the game looks amazing. And I actually think the combat has, you know, I'm not maybe not far enough to fully get a sense of this, but it it seems to have addressed some of my issues. Like it feels like you're a little more agile. It's not as frustrating at times. I don't know. I just felt like I was maybe I'm just used to playing The Last of Us because I'm coming right out of the other game and I just have gotten a little better at it. But I'm playing on normal and I am finding I find my combat way more gun heavy than like brick and bottle heavy. There doesn't seem to be as many bricks and bottles around. And I think if you just it's harder to run away from enemies and not get found. The AI is a lot better, which which I like. But to me, the biggest improvement in this game by far, and I'm sure they heard this. There was complaints about this, uh, like the shivs and the way hidden areas are approached. And I mean, the big thing with the first game is there's even a meta, like a joke, a written line in the game that when you have to be in the water and pull a pallet to move Ellie across. I'm like, oh, this again? <laughs> we got to do this. And <laughs> it kind of exhausted that mechanic where the the hidden areas and puzzle solving is like a new take. Probably the biggest new thing is the rope mechanic and using that in creative ways. Which yeah. and breaking windows, I think, is another part of that. But the fact that they've they're not redoing the same thing with that, it's like, okay, now here's a new kind of set of easy but cool puzzles that are like kind of a nice difficulty level for exploration. And I think that is yeah, the biggest yeah. the biggest improvement in the game by far. And not having you know, to construct a shiv to do stuff and it's like, okay, I can figure this out and a door's locked, I need there's something around here and I think that stuff works. I mean, and the way they do safes where before you'd have to, you know, walk, find a piece of paper that could be relatively far away and then backtrack to go back to the safe. Now it's a little more integrated in a small environment where I find like there's hints in the room and I don't have to travel that far to solve a puzzle, which reminds me a bit of resident evil Two remake, how they did some of the puzzles for combinations and, there was more backtracking in that game, but that to me feels like, okay, this is way better than the first game. Yeah, it does feel like there's a little more exploration, which I always enjoy. And I just like, I mean, maybe this is going to change, but where I'm at in the game, I just like soaking up sort of the quiet, like you're a little bit on edge, but there's just this quiet sort of post-apocalyptic world that you're exploring. And I just really enjoy that. So I'm only about, maybe two and a half, three hours in. So, Sean, you're probably further than I am. I'm just about to sort of start out on Ellie's quest. And, uh, yeah, I second Frank's take from last week about the tech-gasms. <laughs> They're all over the place. And that rope is insane, what they have done. I know. To, they're like her gathering it up and, like, just how it moves so fluidly. It's it's crazy, some of the stuff. Uh like some stuff I didn't think we'd see this gen. I thought we'd only see it next gen. Like I was, I tweeted about like the bounce lighting and I had, I had seen that on the digital foundry review, but yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing what they have going on in this game. And, uh, the violence, I definitely, it's, it's up there. And I heard that it gets even more violent about halfway through. So I, We'll see. <laughs> well, but. I, I kind of hit a story moment today, I think. And this is a weird thing with the violence. So there's this moment, I, I won't get into it too much, where it feels like they cut away from the violence to have this emotional reaction for uh, Ellie. And I just, I don't get it. It's like this this violence is affecting her in a different way. I just killed 200 people. I'm pretty familiar with violence through this character. Nothing about this particular death felt other than they decided this is the one that is going to like have some impact story-wise. All I've done is kill people this whole game. Why why now is this like 
uh, changing me. I mean, there's a small reason why that might be, but every death is in the context of what you're doing in the game. Uh, well, so, once you get to three digit death count, it it's a whole different ball game, you know, like, that's <laughs> when it really hits. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. It, it, there's some weird arbitrary story stuff like that, but I agree with Sean. The characters are, are really good. All the characters I've encountered so far are very strong. Um, not a lot of like random who the, who is this person i I can kind of go through the entire there's probably seven or ten characters that I could name and tell you about in this game, which doesn't happen very often, and that includes uh good and bad or obviously this game is I think attempting to blur the lines between that stuff or I think Sean and I both think that's where this game is going, and it's enforced by the narrative, which uh, i i the narrative is much better. And I, I anticipated this with left behind where there was a lot more cutting back and forth between timelines and the way story is told. And the chapters are doing that as well, where you're going back uh, years for chapters. Um, I won't say anything more than that, but I love that stuff. I think we need more of it in games. And I know I've always, I was trying to pitch this stuff more when, uh, I was working at companies, but editing being a bigger factor in game stories where I, I feel like editing and camera placement. And I think Jay did some of this too on two human. I know a lot of the, the camera placement in two human and how like different perspectives for gaming. I've talked to him about, about some of his ideas that he put into that, which I thought were some of the best stuff in the game, but it's, it can be pushed a little further than just following traditional rules of of TV and film, which is feels like it's what they're doing. And at least Naughty Dog is pushing that stuff in different directions. It's not about, you know, following the rules of the frame all the time and stuff like that, which, I mean, a lot of the best movies break rules. That's why they're known as being innovative and doing different stuff. So editing to me is the biggest thing with cutscenes, where it's like, they're always the same. I, editing... And those things never like changes my emotions, which it does it in movies. Editing is a huge way to do that. And with pace and images, get, even stuff like a, what an insert or something, objects are very rarely used in game to great effect, like cutting away to an object or procedure. It's always just on characters all the time. And, I think games can do a lot better. And I, I, Naughty Dog at least does a better job with that, in my opinion. Do you think some of that's, though, just because you can't totally get the same accurate, you know, facial emotion out of a rendered character that you can, obviously, from a. Yeah, but I mean, if anything, person? that's what this game is pushing really far. And I think they're exaggerating it. Like the character animations on the face, particularly in death sequences. And a few other moments feel cartoonish. And I think that's a good thing. Like there, it's not a super realistic art style, especially with the eyes. The eyes feel much like wider and at least they're animated that way in a lot of sequences, particularly death. That is very effective as far as I'm concerned. So uh, for me, what I was saying more is I think the technical limitation is having everything loaded and cutting away and lighting setups. That's harder to do real time in an engine versus pre-rendered stuff or film stuff, which hopefully that will change with uh, new loading technology as well. But don't have, I, I'm surprised at how similar it is to the first, which I don't think is a bad thing. And small variations which i really like and the lighting is phenomenal like like stand uh like iconic iconic moments with lighting <laughs> in this game which i already talked about the the winter morning was one for me and stuff with flares later in the game i mean that stuff is so good and the water is and amazing too i know you talked about that tech andrew but it's really good yeah and iconic locations like a library. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, <laughs> library. Obviously, game the, of the library. <laughs> <laughs> but I, that's there was another moment. I love that the last game when the outbreak happened. It was Halloween or the after effects of Halloween, and that all these areas 
that's a cool idea, especially in, for a po- post-apocalyptic thing where you can... It's a Halloween store in a mall or stuff like that. And I know the division did that the first time with it being Christmas time, which I thought was great too, but kind of easy wins. And did you play left behind Sean? No, I mean, I just jumped into oh, part two. Like the, the, Hall- the Halloween but, store like- stuff in that game was really awesome. And, uh, there was a moment like that, that I assuming is using the same system from left behind or parts of it. I don't know if anyone's there. Sean, you're going to love this. It's probably my favorite location of recent game history, which is a museum. Mm. Don't know if anyone got to the museum yet. No. But there's a part where you switch headwear again, which is pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, even just the tech of uh, when I think when you first wake up in your bed and she like puts on her jacket and like pulls on her pants or something and like slings the rifle over her back. Like I was able to see the swap where it like went from the, the cinematic model that's fully animated to the one that's like normally on her back. But I mean, it looked really good. Uh, and I, I was looking for that sleeping bag tech, Frank, and it was pretty impressive as well. Oh yeah, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when that thing squishes, it, it just I don't even know if it's realistic. It just looks so good. Sean, you must have seen the sleeping bag tech. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean for me the rope was the impressive like the most impressive thing. Partially because, you know, you get to it and you sort of do something initially and I was like, Oh, okay, yeah, that looked pretty good. And then you realize, oh wait a minute, you can pick that up and do whatever you want with it and it's just like like moves like a rope would like it's crazy full disclosure disclosure i'm uh using a trophy guide for collectibles and there's stuff involving the rope for getting collectibles i never would have thought of and maybe it's just because i would have been stuck in my my mind frame from playing the last one where i wouldn't have even tried stuff but you can use the rope to find stuff in that game that's pretty cool and if anything the game almost doesn't train you for it properly like i wasn't even trying to think outside the box with the rope and i wish there would have been some moments where it made you do that earlier on in the game like not to advance the story but optionally i i just didn't even have that have that seed planted in my brain and that could be a lack of imagination on my part but uh thank god for that trophy guide let me see everything <laughs> i need to see in this game is this a one playthrough uh one and a half i think one and a half I'm dreading the the trophy or the the patch with additional trophies for playing on hard difficulties and stuff like that. So, ah uh, yes, I'm sure that'll be coming at some point. But I'm loving it. Maybe not weird that I'm loving it, but not feeling the desire to play it until I beat it, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I I it could just be a phase I'm into. God of War was the same thing. I could not play that for like three three hours straight i needed breaks and i mean the next game is bloodborne i know i said this but it is happening i am pumped (laughs) to play bloodborne i better be good if i'm if it's not i have a feeling i'm going to absolutely love it so we should say real quick too like i know some people are wanting sort of like the big full review of the last of us part two and we haven't really figured out how to do that with this new format yet but i think if we kind of just talk about it as we're playing it week to week and then when we've all played it maybe we can do like a full spoiler episode Mm -hmm. and i know some people want to get jay involved too he does have the game i don't know if he's playing it yet but we'll have to extend the invite i guess Mm -hmm. absolutely all right i think that's it all right i have uh (laughs) just one quick note not uh, not related to a game i'm playing but i just saw that on game pass that observation game that i really liked uh came out on game pass so if anyone's interested in uh checking out and didn't buy it on the epic store i highly recommend going to take a look at it it it's definitely a mindfuck type game there sean so okay i'll check check it out cool so maybe i'll take this time to plug the youtube channel uh, oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we haven't talked about it too much, 
what what good hosting you're doing <laughs> we did talk that it's barely mentioned on the show i'm like maybe the host should be doing that but not sure what capacity it's going to continue but there are video versions of the show out there if you uh want to see me drink diet nw root beer or us laugh when we're interrupting sean sean <laughs> scratching his inner armpits which i've noticed <laughs> just kidding bud you did one of these things where you went up in there i'm sorry I take it back. I can edit this out. I can edit this out. It was. It's not a big deal. It's fine. I don't, don't think I, I probably, was doing probably it picked my bonus content for the video version. Probably picked my nose a few times uh, reflexively as well. Definitely scratched my ears and put my fingers in my ears a lot. So uh, a lot of well, weird stuff going. On. <laughs> All the stuff you need to see. Uh, but also, Twitter film, not film, uh, game junk podcast facebook.com mm-hmm. forward slash game junk film junk on twitter my angry commute on twitter and equilibrium sis so uh let us know what you think yeah uh, and the discord channel if you're interested in uh joining the discord chat is posted i think it's pinned to the top of the facebook uh page cool if you're just in that okay then that's it for this week. Not sure what we'll talk about next week. Sure something will come up that we can juice like that Sean Layden topic. <laughs> uh, until then, bye-bye. See ya. See ya.